Coming to you live from my apartment, it's Rob Has a Podcast. And now, here's the guy who knows exactly zero of the facts of life, Rob Sesternino. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to our big season premiere podcast of Survivor Philippines. Very happy to be back with you guys. This is our sixth season of podcasting Survivor, uh, which is crazy to uh, have been doing this this long. Thank you very much uh, for all of your support through all of these last six seasons. Looking forward to doing it once again with you guys. And uh, that's dirty. Uh, But I mean, we're going to have a great season of podcasting and having a lot of fun uh, with you guys. Just me with you guys here to start. We're going to talk with Yule Kwan. Yule and I are going to break down everything from this episode of Survivor. And then Nicole is going to join us uh, for the last 20 minutes or half hour or so. Very busy, Nicole, out getting ready for the big Super Pass party tonight with all of the Big Brother contestants. She had to go shopping. And so uh, Nicole, typical Nicole prioritized shopping over podcasting. But uh, we'll be back with her in a little bit to get her thoughts on the first episode of Survivor Philippines. So we're going to talk with you. We'll ask him about his buddy, Jonathan Penner, and ask him uh, the kinds of insights that you can only get from one of the great Survivor winners of all time. So we'll have that coming up in just a couple of minutes. I also this morning spoke with Zane Knight, the first person kicked off Survivor Philippines and the mastermind behind the uh, vote me out strategy, which uh, worked uh, perfectly if that was actually what he wanted, uh, but did not work out so well if that was what he wanted to stay, which I think was the case. So uh, if you want to hear my interview with Zane, you can check that out on robhasawebsite.com. And then later today for you Big Brother fans, I will also have an interview with the final three from Big Brother, Dan, Ian, and Danielle. I'm going to talk to all three of them this afternoon, and I will probably post that on Friday just to give some breathing room with all these podcasts uh, for you guys. So we're going to get right into it, and let's kick off a new season of Survivor. Just a couple of things before we get started. We are so close to 4,000 fans on our Facebook page, and if you have not checked it out yet, I don't know what you're waiting for. Be part of the conversation What I do there over there is I put up the questions or the place for you to answer, ask questions to our guests for the upcoming shows. Also let you know about what's coming up. So check out, go to uh, facebook.com slash Rob has a podcast and uh, like us on Facebook and then you'll have an opportunity to chat with us on Facebook and also ask questions for upcoming guests like our people over there have asked questions for Yule today and Get set up for an all-new season of the podcast by signing up and subscribing on iTunes. Go to robhasawebsite.com slash iTunes. Never miss a podcast. We'll probably do, you know, three or four podcasts a week about Survivor for the next, what, 14, 15 weeks, all the way through Christmas uh, this season. Don't miss a single one. We're going to have live shows after the episodes this season. We'll continue to do our interview podcast. We'll have plenty of other stuff along the way to further go into some of the hot issues as we go along we're going to cover the amazing race as well so check that all out go to uh, rob has a website.com slash itunes and please leave us a comment also on itunes because that helps us uh in the itunes rankings and we very much appreciate it and the last thing i'm going to say is if while you're listening to this podcast go ahead treat yourself to something nice check out amazon.com through rob has a website go to rob has a website.com slash 
Amazon. It's the main way that we support this podcast is from great people like you guys buying stuff through Amazon, treating themselves to something nice. It's the lifeblood of Rob Has a Podcast. So go ahead and uh, you know treat yourself to something. Go to robhasawebsite.com slash Amazon or click the banner at the top of the page uh, while you're listening. Get an iPhone 5 case or whatever, uh, whatever the heck you need out there. So... With that being said, let's go ahead. I think we've got Yule queued up and ready to go. So, uh, Yule Kwan, Survivor winner of Cook Islands, are you there? Hey, Rob. How's it going? Yule, a pleasure to uh, speak with you uh, once again. I know we spoke uh, back, uh, what was that, April, when your show uh, when your show kicked off? Yeah, yeah. So I had a lot of fun, and I'm glad to be back on your show. Yeah, well, very happy to have uh, you back as well, and... Uh, well, let's just, why don't you tell us about, uh, what you've been up to, uh, in the last couple of months before, uh, since we talked to you last. Sure. Uh, so my, my series on PBS aired, uh, back around April, May, and that was a lot of fun. You know, we filmed for about 18 months, uh, went all around the country. And, uh, after that series ended, um, I, I got approached about another project. Uh, but this one would involve me going down to the South Pole for like six months. Oh my god! So uh, I talked to my wife, and she pretty much vetoed it on the spot. Uh, we're expecting <laughs> our our second kid in, in in February, actually on my birthday. So uh, yeah, the idea of me being in Antarctica for half a year didn't sound too appealing. Okay, so uh, are there any continents closer that you could go to next? I'd like to stay in North America. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm shooting for. <laughs> okay. All right. So, will, will there be uh, more from America Revealed? I don't know. I think uh, PBS is thinking about it, and I'm talking with them. Um, but again, you know, I'm, I'm trying to balance doing more TV versus uh, spending time with my family. And you know, I feel really fortunate because my wife has been super supportive. But you know, it, it's tough on her uh, when I'm traveling. And now that we're going to have two kids, uh, I think I might be trying to do something more stable. Okay. Well, and does that include uh, being on a Survivor at some point in the future also? <laughs> uh, that's something I'll have to ask my wife when it comes up, if and when. But uh, I'll have to uh, butter up to her pretty good. I, you know, if, if I can, I'd, I'd love to do it. I think it would be a lot of fun. But, you know, I also think if you have, a, if you have like a regular job, full-time job, it makes it hard. Yeah. But if they ever have like an all-winner Survivor, like, yeah, I think that would be a lot of fun. I'd love to go back. Yeah, well, the good thing is that most survivors don't have jobs, so that usually it's not a problem for all these people to keep coming back. Well, some people have made a professional career of being on Survivor, so heck, why not? <laughs> why not? All right, well, let's talk about uh, somebody who is very close to you. Yeah. Uh, are, dare I say, are you in the Jonathan Penner's inner circle? Yeah, Penner and I are really close friends. Uh, I was so excited to see him come back on the show, so uh, yeah, no, I'm super excited. That's why I'm here today. So the theme of the show is we have uh, all these people who went out of the game. You have Penner, you have Scoop, and you have Russell Swan, and they come back to three tribes in who are have varying degrees of excitedness to see these returning <laughs> players. And I sort of said that this has been sort of like a, I thought it was a good, a bad, and an ugly night for the returnees. <laughs> and I'm going to put Penner in the bad category. I thought it was a bad night for him. Yeah. Not as bad as Russell Swan, which was ugly, and not as good as Mike Scoop. Scoopin, who I thought had a tribe that welcomed him with open arms, yeah. but I thought uh, not such a warm reception for Penner on night one. Yeah, Penner had a tough time. You know, a, a lot of this is uh, pretty much determined by luck of the draw. I think in his case, I don't think he did anything wrong. 
you know, he, it's interesting seeing how people are coming back, whether they've learned from their experiences. And it seems like both Penner and, and Scoopin both really learned that, you know, you don't want to be an overt leader. Uh, Russell, unfortunately, has not learned that lesson, even though he's learned it in his head. He's just, you know, he's just bossing people around. Mm-hmm. But with Penner, yeah, he just got on a tribe where people, especially Jeff Kent, was uh, very suspicious of returning players and immediately has a target on his back. So he's, he's starting uh, from a whole on day one. Yeah. He really was off to sort of an icy reception uh, with his group. Now, I thought it's a little interesting out of all of these players who have played before, Penner at least has the experience from your original season of that you guys were in tribes of five. Yeah. And this is a tribe of six. So yeah. it's, but it's similar though to a, you know, a smaller tribe as opposed to having eight people, or I think even Russell Swan, did he have, was there nine or ten people on Survivor Samoa? So yeah. they played with bigger tribes to start off with. Uh, Penner used to a smaller group. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, he and I have had uh, plenty of conversations about how we would play differently if we, if either of us came back on the show. And in his case, you know, I, I talked to him a lot about, you know, what was it during Cook Islands that made people immediately distrust him, right? And so we talked a lot about that. And I think from what I've seen so far on this season, he's he's learned a lot and he's he's playing a much better game. But unfortunately, he's just done a tribe where some guy immediately has it out for him. It's going to be tough. It is going to be tough. And I thought it was interesting. Like the way that we predicted this season going was I said, okay, I don't think that Penner and Jeff Kent are going to get along. It just seems like there's two <laughs> strong personalities. And I feel like I got that right. But I said, okay, well, I think Jeff Kent is going to alienate himself yeah. and everybody's going to get along with Penner and they're going to try to target Jeff Kent. But it almost seems like through one episode that the opposite has sort of happened where everybody has sort of rallied around Jeff Kent and Jeff Kent is sort of conspiratorial of, hey, let's get rid of Penner. And uh, it doesn't seem like Penner has anybody on his side uh, in his battle versus Jeff Kent. Yeah, you know, I don't know what happens behind the scenes. I mean, again, we're only seeing a, a snapshot of, of what actually goes on in Camp Life. But, you know, I think one mistake that, that Penner might be making is that he's, you know, trying very hard to look for the hidden immunity idol. And the problem with that is two things. One, you're you're not spending time building bonds with other people. And it's really important early on that you, you get in on any alliances quick. And the other thing is if people know that you're looking for the idol, that it immediately puts another target on your back. So in this case, I almost kind of wonder whether he's created that window of opportunity for someone to, like Jeff to come in and build an alliance against him. And, you know, from Jeff's perspective, it looks like he definitely wants to be an alpha male. He wants to control the game. He wants to get rid of the other guy who might challenge him for, for that kind of authority. And it, it looks like John, uh, Penner has given him that opportunity. Yeah, well, I'm glad you brought up the hidden immunity idol because maybe uh, Penner, uh, after seeing you know how powerful the hidden immunity idol was from your season, realizes that that's something that he needs to have in his pocket. But the difference between your season and this season is you used to go to Exile Island and be by yourself and have nothing to do but look for the hidden immunity idol. Now you're with your, a whole group and you've got to go exile yourself to look for the hidden immunity idol. Yeah, yeah, I really... I, I kind of think it's a mistake to look too early. I mean, unless you're really like can go ninja mode like Ozzy does, um, you know, <laughs> you, you want to spend the first couple of days bonding with people because if you're not in that core alliance at the very beginning, it's very hard to work your way into it later on. And so in this case, I think the more that you isolate yourself, I mean, it's not a good idea. I mean, if you look on the other tribe, if you look at Lisa Wenchel, I mean, she's a very nice person, but she's not spending time with the other members of the group. And she's isolating herself in other ways, like, you know, she wouldn't take off her clothes to go swimming. We saw yes. that happen with uh, Cochrane, right? So when on his season, 
other people were kind of frolicking half naked and he wouldn't take off his clothes. And they're, they're small things, but they're, they're subtle kind of signals that you're giving to other people that you're, you're not part of that tribe. You're not part of that inner core group. And I think in the first two days, especially, it's a big mistake. I agree. I wrote that down, too, as well, the scene where uh, Lisa Welchel didn't want to go in the ocean. She actually went in the ocean in her jeans, which is, oh. like, the, probably the most uncomfortable thing you could do is have <laughs> wet denim. You know from uh, experience, well, right? Because <laughs> nothing dries on Survivor, so you're going to be wearing wet jeans for a week uh, if you do that. And I almost felt like it was sort of like a metaphor to me that she is not 100%. She's not all in yet. As far as being a survivor, she's sort of like, ah, I'm not I'm not willing to go there. And until she's willing to take off her jeans and go in the ocean, uh, I don't think she's going to get there. Yeah, you know, I, I kind of think I mean, Survivor's tough. I mean, and, and for her, she is coming in trying to uh, prove something to herself personally. I mean, she is very Christian. She has very strong values and she doesn't want to compromise those values. And Survivor is a dirty game, right? I mean, there are things you're going to have to do that are going to put you in, in a kind of a moral uh, tight spot. But things like, you know, you want to do things that allow you to integrate with the rest of the group. You don't want to, I mean, taking her off your clothes, I guess that could be a values thing. But, you know, to the extent that you can, she's already one of the oldest people on her tribe. Uh, she's not very clearly, you know, has the same sort of personal circumstances in terms of having a family. So the more you kind of distance yourself, um, I think it's a mistake. But in her now, case, you know, I, I think she's a kind of person. Either she's going to get voted out really quick, or I think she actually has the potential to make it pretty far in the game. She's going to be very interesting uh, to watch because she's certainly on the outs right now. But we've seen before where women especially uh, have sort of a rough period early on and sort right. of adjust to the game where if you go go all the way back – to uh, somebody like Kathy on Survivor Marquesas or even more recently somebody like Holly Hoffman or even Dawn Meehan. They mm-hmm. sort of like have like a mini, bre- a mini breakdown early on in the game right. and then they sort of rally. Right. And I just feel like, uh, you know, and we'll, we'll talk about Mike Scoop and I feel like uh, he's going to come around on her rather than stick with these young people uh, bef- whereas he's aligned with the, uh, the young 20-somethings. I just see him more settling into being more aligned with artists and with Lisa? I think so. I think Lisa's lifeline really is scooping, right? I mean, he already has a lot of uh, empathy for her, and he's also kind of starstruck, right? I mean, Yeah, he's a super a fan. fan. Did you know this? Yeah, yeah. and so <laughs> if, if she's willing to kind of like open up to him and get him as part of, you know, someone that she's comfortable with and can build a strong bond with, I think she could potentially go far. I mean, you've seen lots of pairings where you have like a strong leader, typically male, and you have another kind of uh, a weaker person, typically female, and they actually are able to go far in the game together. So I think they potentially have that potential. Yeah. Now, are you a big Facts of Life fan? I was, yeah. No, I was a big fan. No, it was, yeah. it's really kind of surreal. I looked up there. I remember when I was thinking, when I was young, I was like, dude, I hope I marry her someday. <laughs> you, what, you wanted to marry Blair from Facts of Life? <laughs> I thought she was hot. <laughs> yeah, well, she- but then again, I also liked the Brady Bunch, and I thought Alice was hot. So what does that tell you? <laughs> you thought Alice was the hot one? I did. That's a weird maternal thing, I guess. You know, they had a <laughs> not Mrs. Garrett instead of Blair. I was like, uh, you know, that would have been a close call. I, I think so. I, I, there's something about Alice. I remember when she started dating Sam the Butcher. I was so jealous. <laughs> 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 Yule, wow! This is uh, this is a uh, very sh- this is Yule revealed. I've got some uh, mommy issues, yeah, for sure. <laughs> wow! <laughs> All right, so uh, yeah, scooping, and he's like almost a uh, Facts of Life uh, super fan. That he's a. Uh, <laughs> you wonder if he's going to like Facts of Life conventions. I mean, with a <laughs> second, he's like, oh my god, it's Blair. 
I have to talk to her. He had like a poster of Blair in his, you know, in his room when he was a teenager. He probably (laughs) idolized her along with like Heather Locklear, right? Yeah. Well, it's funny though because uh, Lisa is actually a Survivor super fan, so maybe they could uh, be destined to uh, go up to uh, each other and sort of be best friends. I had met Lisa when I first got done with uh, Survivor. That we they had us go to like the Nick at Night Awards and present a award to the Gilligan's Island cast, and she was there and she came up to uh, myself and Jenna Maraska. I was like, I love Survivor, and (laughs) so she's it's for real. She's been a fan for a long time. That's very cool. Like it's it's kind of surreal because uh, even you know being on Survivor myself, you still kind of think of people who are on kind of like a you know sitcom drama as like someone else. And when you actually meet someone like that and they think like you know you're cool because you're on Survivor, and that's that's pretty neat. Yeah, and you'll do you find it ironic that most of the people who go on Survivor are just hoping to one day be on a sitcom. And now here's somebody from a sitcom who is hoping to one day be on Survivor. <laughs> it is kind of funny that way. Um, you know, I, I think being on a reality show is generally not a good platform for people who actually want to become like serious actors. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it, it, if you want to go on Survivor, then being on sitcom is like a great way to go into the show. You have uh, I, I just love to see the day they have the uh, celebrity Survivor. I mean, that'd be a lot of fun. Well, I'm wondering if that's where we're heading because, I mean, look at somebody like Lisa uh, Welchel. This has been, you know, a great move for her career. I mean, it's almost like, you know, almost like going on The Celebrity Apprentice. It's like, you know, you kind of figure if she has a nice run here on Survivor, she could almost do almost anything she wants as far as like, uh, you know, I'm sure she she could parlay this into reigniting her career. And I wonder if we're going to start to see more and more. All right, here's Jeff Kent. Here's, you know, here's uh, Lisa Welchel. And now like, uh, who's next? Uh, You know, oh, here's Jason Alexander. Here's, you know, who (laughs) I think we're just going to maybe end up with an all (laughs) celebrity seasons now. You know, know, it's funny. Jason Alexander is good friends with Penner. Ooh. Yeah, okay. I, I met one time uh, through Petter. Penner had a dinner with him, and I, I came over, and we all we all got together. He's a very very nice guy. He's very very he's very uh, non like uh, not like his personality on uh, Seinfeld, but he's yeah. a very very fun guy. That was just a random name. I was just throwing uh, somebody out there, but yeah, that's uh, could be very very interesting. Yeah. I mean, and speaking of Jeff Kent on the show, I wonder if the point where this could turn around for Penner is if it gets exposed that Jeff Kent is actually not Jeff the motorcycle repairman, <laughs> but Jeff the famous baseball player. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, it's only going to be a matter of time because he's already been recognized by someone else on his tribe. And I, I, I do think it's a powerful argument. I mean, like, look, if I'm playing with somebody who's earned like multi-millions of dollars, uh, why would I vote for this person? So, you know, I, I, fig- I, I think he's on a... He's a ticking time bomb. At some point, it's going to come out. The fact that he tried to hide it is going to bite him in the butt. Uh, but whether Penner sticks around long enough for that to happen, we'll see. Well, especially considering that Jeff Kent is the guy leading the charge of, uh, hey, we got to get rid of this guy. He's played before. This is our time to win. Right. It's almost like if, if Penner could find out, so wait a minute, the guy who's trying to get rid of me is actually a famous baseball player. Right, Aha! right, right. Uh, Not unlike Russell Swan trying to hide the fact that he was looking for the hidden immunity idol by saying uh, to uh, what's his name um, uh, yeah, Zane if, that Zane. If, uh, he'd try to boot on anyone who'd be looking for the idol. Yeah. So you know, if that hypocrisy ever gets exposed, and I think it's going to be a big problem for him. 
Well, it's almost like you. It's a great tell that somebody really is lying when they go so overboard of like Russell Swan. Like, well, if I find out anybody has, I, you know, I'll kill him. That's it. That's it. I, I mean, no. Just to be clear, nobody around here is looking for the idol. Are they? They have big problems. <laughs> yeah, Russell is. You know, it, it's funny. I, I kind of wonder. Like, I mean, he seems like a delightful fellow, but I mean. Look, I mean, the guy's been on Survivor. He's clearly been thinking about how to play the game again, and he knows rationally what he needs to do, but he can't seem to do it, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it's like this guy's like learned nothing from the time he's been on the show before. He knows that he doesn't want to be a leader, but it's just like he can't control himself. Yeah, he's a very, you know, very charismatic guy. I think he's a really fun guy to be around, but I don't think that he is a one of the masterminds of the game <laughs> to uh to bring back and you know i don't like i think that's a small group of people uh and i'm talking to one of them right now so for uh for russell swan i feel like he re- went away from what worked for him the first time where he was a very successful leader of the yeah. group and he didn't it wasn't like russell swan was a guy who got voted out of the game in samoa because oh, he was too much of a leader he was in a great position and he over, he worked too hard and yeah. he passed out yeah. and so but his tribe was up huge in the numbers i mean they merged like eight to four that season and he was on the eight he was the leader of the side who had eight that totally collapsed without him so as after he collapsed (laughs) so uh, i think that it was a mistake for russell not to say hey let me show you guys what to do because i've done this before and i think we'll have a great success together i think one of the problems is that you know he's he's if he's embracing who he is, then I think at least that comes across as being authentic. I yeah. always think being a leader is is a very risky strategy, right? I mean, because if anything goes wrong, you get blamed for it. If you do too well, you're seen as a threat. So generally, I don't think being a leader works very well in Survivor. Only a few people have really pulled it off, like uh, Tom Westman uh, with a mm-hmm. lot of success. And you have to play a pretty perfect game to do it. In his case, so, you know, not only is he acting like a leader, but he's publicly disclaiming that he wants to be a leader. So that immediately causes people, one, not only to resent him for being overbearing, but two, like, dude, what the hell? You're not, you're not being straight up with us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the only thing saving his butt this time was around, but was the fact that he had someone else who had an even crappier strategy. I mean, Zane, like, I cannot fathom what the heck that guy was thinking. <laughs> well, we'll t- let's we'll get to Zane in a, in a moment. We'll talk about uh, what was going through his head. But for Russell Swan, yeah, it just seems, I think, uh, Inauthentic, I think, is is the right word. And so for him to say, okay, this is who I've been in the past, but I'm not I'm not gonna be this this time. I really believe you can only play the game, like you can tweak the way you play the game, you can do different tactics, but you are who you are. And I don't yeah. think you can be an actor for 39 days and play totally the agree. game a different way than you are. And I don't think you'll have success. And I think that uh, you know, it's not too late for Russell. He can make an adjustment, but no more of this uh, hey, I'm just the guy here. We're we're all doing this together. Yeah. Now, I totally agree with you. You know, people always ask, you know, even if you're not a nice person in real life, why don't you just pretend to be nice on Survivor? And the reality is it's hard. You know, like you can pretend to be someone who you're not for, you know, uh, spots here and there. But if you're tired and you're hungry and you're stressed out, then you automatically resort to who you are. Right. In this case, we saw pretty clearly with Russell. He came in with a game plan. He knew that he didn't want to be the leader, but he couldn't help himself. 
Mm-hmm. And in real life, you can fake, you can be a poser, you can fake who you are. But I mean, I think the beauty of this game in particular is that the game strips you of everything you have yep. and breaks you down, and that it makes it almost impossible to be this, you know, fake person. And yep. you're basically left, like, uh, figuratively naked. Right. And you are, you know, who you are, and you're only out there with, you know, what you have, and the the real you has to uh, emerge, or you're, it's just not going to be a successful stint for you. Right, right, right. I mean, I think one of the reasons watching Survivor is so interesting for people is, you know, you, you get to see very clearly how people see themselves, their own self-perceptions, and how different it is from how other people perceive them. And for people who actually go through this whole experience, I mean, when you're watching the show, it's a whole other experience from when you're actually playing it because then you can actually see how other people are thinking of you. And it's often like a shock to realize, oh my God, like people think of me in a very different way from how I look at myself. All right, so let's get into Zane a bit here. And he sort of had a a zany strategy. Well, one, he came out of the gate like uh, with just totally gangbusters and said, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna make an alliance with everybody here." <laughs> and, he's, and he did. He had like he had an alliance with every single person there on the first day. And I said, "Oh my God, they've done it to us. They've somehow snuck another Hans on Survivor." <laughs> <laughs> and uh, amazingly, you know, he made an alliance with everybody. I'm lying to everybody. I got an alliance with everybody, and it was all w- well and good, except. That then he told Russell Swan and Malcolm that I've already got an alliance with everybody. Right, right, right. That doesn't make any sense. I mean, I, I think <laughs> in terms of just trying to become allies with everyone, it's risky if you're too obvious about it because if they start talking, it, it kind of paints you in a bad light. But why on earth would you tell like other people that you've made alliances with everyone else, right? Because mm-hmm. one, they're not going to trust you. And two, they're going to think, well, why didn't you try to ally with us first? Like, why are we at the bottom of your list? Right. So I think for the savvy player, that's what you would think. Maybe for somebody, one of the younger uh, women on this tribe who are less experienced with the game, they might say, oh, that's great. Then everybody will trust you. But when you really start to question that, wait a second, if he has an alliance with everybody, how do I know that he has right. a you know actual deal with me? Right. And uh, I think that is one of the two things that really came down to hurt Zane. The second was this performance in the challenge, which right. was uh, not not very good. And so the, it was really a comedy of errors for this Matt Singh tribe in that challenge between Russell Swan putting people on the wrong seat of the bus. <laughs> and <laughs> basically, they said, uh, OK, we got a, a running and a puzzle and like picking up a crate. And uh, so Russell, the girl's like, uh, I'm bad at puzzles. And Russell's like, I'm bad at puzzles. Here, you take it. You do it. <laughs> And then one of the girls, uh, tries, uh, Roxy, I believe, tries to say, uh, hold on a second. And Russell Swan did what, what you really never want to do. He said, I, 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 I got this. <laughs> like, <laughs> which was uh, a pretty hilarious uh, moment that they captured and also was a very big moment in the episode. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think Zane, again, reaching out to everyone to be your ally, everyone's going to be thinking, well, you know, I'm sure you're telling the same old spiel to everyone else. Why should I believe you here? And then him performing badly on the challenge. I mean, that's going to be hard to to overcome. But, you know, for him to come out of that, basically telling people like they should vote him out and reminding them of how poorly done the challenge, that, that to me just makes absolutely no sense. I mean, as best as I can figure, I, I think he was trying to do some sort of reverse psychology uh, uh, tactic. 
Mm-hmm. But that only works where like the people are already inclined to not want to follow what you have to say, right? So if like my mom's telling me to do something, immediately I'm thinking, oh my God, it's my mom. I don't want to listen to her, right? Or if I'm talking to my two-year-old toddler, like she immediately doesn't want to listen to what I have to say. But in this in this case, he actually did a decent job like building individual relationships with different people. And I think for, at least for some of them, they had a certain amount of empathy towards them. So mm-hmm. the reverse psychology thing isn't going to work, right? Because that only works when people are already t- predisposed not to listen to you. In this case, they are, they're predisposed to listen to him. So the more that he's been successful at building these relationships and empathy, the more this whole reverse psychology thing is going to backfire on him. Now, I didn't ask this to Zane when I spoke to him this morning, but you know, in thinking about this, and I don't think he would even acknowledge this if even if it was true, do you think that part of him really did want to quit the game immediately after the challenge and then cooler heads prevailed and then he tried to spin it like, oh no, I actually wanted to trick everybody and that's why I said to vote me out, but I really want to stay and that was all really a ploy to get Russell out and this is all a, a ruse. Rationalization. What did yeah. what did he say when you talked to him this morning? Uh, he was, you know, I have to give him a lot of credit. He was uh, super positive about the experience. He said he had a great time. He made a move that you know nobody would ever, would people wouldn't forget. And you know, a lot of times the first boots are very resigned and sort of like their heart isn't into uh, talking about it. But he was very excited and uh, had a really great attitude. Okay, but did he say that it was? Uh rationalization like he, no, he really well, wanted to quit or did he say that it was I, all part of he said it was, strategy? he said it was all part of strategy i did not ask him that question i didn't think of this until after i had spoken with him but he did say that it was part of his strategy uh yeah. in our conversation it's hard Again, to say I, you know the way they cut it it makes it sound like he said it and immediately you know they cut to him talking about strategy how this is how his way of trying to take control of the game um so i'm inclined to think that it probably was you know, legitimate. Like he w- he did think that he wanted to play a really strategic move and get a lot of camera time, but it totally backfired on him. But the, the, the other thing I don't understand w- what he did was, you know, he also told people that uh, he thought that Russell had the hidden immunity idol. Yeah. So if there wasn't already enough incentive not to vote against Russell and vote for Zane instead, you know, he just gave him like, you know, his head on a golden platter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I tell people I have the hidden immunity idol. That's probably a better move. <laughs> That's what most normal people try to do. <laughs> yeah, so I think that would have been a, a much better way to go. But for Zane, he also yeah he caught Russell going into the rice, and we can talk about Penner too with uh, finding the idol in the rice. Uh, he almost had a an instinctual. Both of these guys ended up in the rice. And they found the clue. Yep. And then uh, Russell Swan started looking for the clue. And Zane saw him. And, uh, you know, as we mentioned before, when Zane confronted him, Russell Swan point blank, uh, absolutely not. I, I don't have, like, uh, I don't know anything about the idol. We hate idols around here. We'll vote you out if you look for the idol. So then this information also works against Zane because yep. then they don't want to vote against Russell Swan if he has the idol. Who, whoever he votes for is going to go home. Right, right. Right. So I, I don't know why he would – I mean he made it – he basically eliminated any excuse that people would have uh, not to vote him off, right? And he basically gave a bulletproof vest to, to Russell. So, I mean, I, I just don't understand the strategy at all because they had to vote somebody off. Yeah. And if you're going to like point the finger at yourself and bulletproof the one person who might be an alternative and not point your finger towards anyone else, of course they're going to vote for you. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. Well, the other part that worked against Zane, too, and in these smaller tribes, 
Uh, and I'd like to hear from you how big of an issue this was uh, in a tribe of five to start out. To vote out one of your stronger males, it really right. would have been suicide for this tribe to vote out Russell Swan, who is a quite a good challenge performer yeah. in favor of keeping Zane, who is not a good challenge performer. It just would have been suicide for this uh, against these other teams. I mean, take a look at Scoopin's tribe with Scoopin and Artis and Pete right. uh, and, you know, and Penner's tribe too. I mean, Jeff Kent and this guy Carter and Penner's no slouch in the challenges. So for them to go into these challenges then with just Malcolm and Zane as the you know only male firepower on this team, it would not have worked out well in another physical competition. Right, right. I mean, I think when people, especially early on in the game, I mean, they have a certain kind of hierarchy of how they pick who they want to get rid of. Uh, the first one is, the most important consideration is, like, is that person part of my alliance, right? Um, so that trumps everything else. After that, it's kind of like anyone but me, right? So especially on the first couple of tribal councils, you're just so worried about being sent home early that as soon as someone else has been singled out, there's kind of this momentum effect where people just kind of jump onto the bandwagon because they don't want it to be them. After that, it's like uh, people based on how strong they're going to be in terms of challenges. And then I think only after that do you get to people who are really annoying. And so in this case, like, you know, People who are annoying tend to get voted out, but especially this early on, people are still thinking about team challenges and strengths. So it'd be very hard to get Russell off. Um, and so he just, you know, Zane just did a terrible job of, he, he basically uh, insulated the one person who might be an alternative to himself. He points the finger at himself and he doesn't identify anyone else who might be another alternative. Well, Yul, I think right here you just gave us a, a little bit of sense into uh, more of the reasons why you're such a brilliant Survivor player. Did you just uh, create a Survivor flowchart of who to vote, who to vote off? And maybe one of our listeners can put that into print and give us the Yul Kwan uh, flowchart of should I, who should I vote off? Is this person in my alliance? Uh, is this person annoying? Uh, and I think we need to add to that. Is this person a threat to win the game? I think that's uh, maybe. At this point, well, I think it probably doesn't come into that much okay, what uh, play day is early it? on. Is I think question. that becomes more. You know, as the game progresses, I think how you weight different considerations changes. But early on, you know, you're thinking, all right, like, look, for example, Malcolm. Malcolm is clearly someone who's going to be a threat, right? I mean, the guy is smart. He's good looking. Uh, he's athletic. Uh, he's charismatic. But at this point, would people vote him off? I don't think so. You know, you don't start thinking about the end game till closer to the end game. Um, so, you know, in this case, I think if you're really annoying, uh, that's going to trump most other things, except unless you're in the person's alliance or the person's going to be an, uh, you know, an asset during challenges. Yeah. And it, then it's also shifts where early on, you know, first week or so, yeah, let's get rid of somebody that's annoying. But then you reach a, a, a line in the sand where yep. after it's like, oh, wait, this person's really annoying. Let's keep him. And yep. then I'll take this guy to the end and I'll get all the votes. Right. Right. Absolutely. There's a tipping point. So at some point you start thinking very differently and who you want. So I, that's one thing that I think people often don't really – I don't know why. I mean, you know, if you've watched the show enough times, it, it should be pretty – but you know how you play the the first half of the game is is very different from how you play the second half of the game. So and people don't often kind of adapt their strategies once they're in the game. I mean, I think the single most important thing in terms of playing Survivor well is to be adaptable. It looks mm -hmm. like Scoopin's actually been quite good at it. I mean, the guy is just like, look, whatever, I'm going with the flow, right? Like if they want me to go slow, I'll go slow. If they want me to jump, I'll jump. And that's exactly what he should be doing, right? So he's immediately kind of deflected 
attention away from himself as someone who could be a very strong, dominant threat because he's played before. And his na- natural kind of posture is to be a leader. I mean, the guy just has a type A personality. But he's learned from his past experiences and from you know watching other seasons. And he's done a really good job adapting to the circumstances. Yeah, I thought Mike Scoopin had a really strong night here on, on the first night. But my sure. big question is, is Mike Scoopin Mr. Glass? Can he last 39 days at this rate? <laughs> yeah, that guy is like Mr. Fragile. He's like that guy on, um, what was that, Unbreakable? Unbreakable, yeah. Yeah, like the guy just, you know, it, it's funny because like it's a small cut. But when you're on Survivor, I mean, you know this, Rob. Like, Ask Penner. Those things like don't go away, right? Because you can't, you can't disinfect them. They just get worse and start getting infected and like yeah. they just they, they never get away, go away from you and i still have all these scars on my legs from all the small cuts i got whoa uh yeah and it's wet nothing really ever dries and your hand is like uh you know it's just like raw and, and he's got like i mean poor mike scoopin's hands after all they've been through it's like day two he's like hey, i got all these blisters all over my hand like the skin is already falling off I mean, uh, put this guy in a plastic bubble already, because <laughs> <laughs> otherwise there's no way you're going to get him through 39 days. <laughs> he needs to go to Exile Island. Like, that's what yeah. we need on this season. Send Scoop into Exile Island for like three days here and there. Keep him fresh for the end of the game. Yeah, he should not be allowed any sharp uh, instruments. I mean, the guy's just like a magnet for cuts. <laughs> Even the cut on his foot, I mean, that was a pretty decent gash. And I, I don't know how you... Get over that because you're, you're, you have to walk around. You're going to get dirt and sand in your foot all the time. So, I mean, it's not going to be happy, happy for him. <laughs> I know. It's almost like a horror show. Like you see it coming a mile away. He's like talking to artists and he's got like the machete <laughs> in one hand and like not paying attention to what he's doing <laughs> with the coconut. And it's like, thank God for the mu- the music cue tells me it's going to be okay. But if it, if it was like harrowing music in that scene, I'd, yeah. oh my God, Mike Scoobin's going to cut his hand off here right now yeah. on Survivor. <laughs> you know, as a strategy, it might not be a bad thing. I mean, like, so when I was playing Cook Islands, um, you know, I was worried that people would see me as a, a physical threat. So, you know, I, I did get beat up a lot, but I, I would be very vocal about it. Like, I make it very clear that I wasn't feeling well. So it's like you want to ride that balance, right? On, on one hand, you want to seem strong enough so that people want to keep you on the tribe, especially during the tribal competition phase. But at some point, you know, you want to diminish how people think of you as a physical threat. So in my case, like, I, I got a lot of cuts and scrapes and, you know, I had lots of, like, bowel problems. And and I would play it up. I'd be like, oh, my God, I'm not feeling very well. Like, I don't know how long my leg is going to last. And, you know, you, you want to kind of minimize how people see you in terms of being that physical threat as someone who could win all the challenges. You know, it's possible Scoopin might be trying to do that. I I, I don't think so because I wouldn't. You know, I wouldn't actually go out of my way to, like, cut myself. But it's <laughs> certainly possible he might be because, I mean, the guy is so big and physically fit. I mean, the guy's like 50 years old, but he looks like a, you know, linebacker. Uh, it's certainly possible he's trying to diminish how, how people perceive him from a physical standpoint. Yeah. Yule, this is another good idea. I think if I ever go on Survivor again, I think I'm going to dye my hair gray. And then I'm just going to be like, ah, oh, I'm so old. I'm, I'm, I've got really, really, I've really aged poorly. I'm, I'm really, uh, not that anybody would ever uh, say, oh, we got to get rid of Rob. What a physical threat. We have to take, take him out. Um, <laughs> that's, a, that's a good move of like, oh, man, I'm, I'm just falling apart. It's terrible. Well, it is. It is. I mean, you, you kind of want to, I don't know if anyone's ever faked an injury, but, you know, I, I think you want to seem strong enough so that they don't want to get rid of you. But you also don't want to come across as like superhuman, right? I mean, in my case, I, I did get hurt, and so I was able to play it up. I also had Ozzy to hide behind because Ozzy yeah. was such a phenomenal physical threat that like it just took all the attention away from me, uh, which was great. It worked to my benefit. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't know why people don't do that more often on the show. I mean, because it's an easy thing to fake. Well, you know what? You need to talk to your friend Ozzy again before he goes back on the show. Because if anybody <laughs> is ever the victim of, uh, oh, nobody wants to keep me around because I'm so good in the challenges. You know, you got to talk to Ozzy about it. He's got to put on like 70 pounds before he goes back on. And- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he should like, talk oh, to Pepper about eating go. six meals a day. Yeah, why not? Yeah. So <laughs> actually, you know, he, he gained a ton of weight for this uh, show and uh, I think he had a good strategy. I, you know, most people don't do that because they, they want to look good, right? It's like, dude, it's my 15 minutes of fame. I want to look good on TV. And so, you know, the, the good strategy is what Penner did, which is just gain a ton of weight and, you know, it'll kind of make you last throughout the, the season, if, even if you're not eating a lot. But most people don't do it. Yeah. He put on weight for the role. Very, a very good job uh, for Penner. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so let's talk about some of these other uh, new players that have uh, caught our attention. Uh, you mentioned Malcolm earlier uh, in the show. I really like how uh, Malcolm has come out of the gate. I mean, he's a guy. He is uh, seems like the total package that he is. Yeah. Uh, he's strong. He has some survival background. He's very good. You know, he doesn't seem to like. He's content to let Russell Swan take all the bullets in front of him. He's yeah. got a solid alliance with Denise. I mean, Malcolm looks like he came here to play. I, I think so. I think he and Denise are going to be very formidable. I mean, Malcolm. Is a complete package. He's good looking. He's uh, smart. He's a survivor fan, so he knows all the strategies. Um, he has a survival background. Uh, well, he was a football player at Dartmouth. I mean, the guy is like a scholar athlete, and uh, he's on a he's on a good tribe. I mean, the tribe's not doing well in the challenges, but I mean, like he has much bigger personalities that will kind of. I, I think the one one thing that I'm I'm kind of seeing on Malcolm that could be um, a weakness for him is that. You know, he's not overtly cocky, but you can definitely sense that, like, he thinks he's smarter than everyone else, right? Mm-hmm. He thinks he's better than everyone else. And, you know, if, that can lead to a sense of complacency or, you know, if he starts acting in a condescending way, it could lead to resentment against him. Because he's such a good-looking guy that, like, it could easily turn from, like, admiration to, like, oh, this guy's going to be a threat or, you know, he's he's taking up too much camera time, all that kind of stuff. So I think the one thing that, that he has to watch for is to make sure that his ego doesn't get in the way. But, you know, so far he has other louder personalities, um, you know, kind of, kind of disguising that. And he's played a pretty good game. I mean, he's kept it in control. And for him, I think having someone like Russell, who's such a type A personality leader, uh, is actually a good thing. Because in the absence of having someone like Russell around, then he may be more naturally inclined to exert his leadership skills. And that could be a problem for him. But right mm-hmm. now, he's, he's in a great position, you know, aside from the possibility that his tribe is going to keep losing competitions. But within the tribe, I think he and Denise are, are in a strong position. She seems really sharp. And I think in terms of her professional background, I mean, she's a sex therapist, right? I mean, her whole – I mean, her skill set is getting people to trust her and open up to her about things that are very private to them. And she's also physically very strong. Yeah, she's good. And I think that Denise and Malcolm are in a good position in keeping Russell Swan around because I don't think Russell Swan is a schemer. Uh, he's uh, not like a you know a Boston Rob or or somebody even like a you know a Kim Spradlin or like okay I'll keep these guys around but I really need to start working on how to get rid of them and I don't think that's yeah. really how Russell Swan 
works. Now, we didn't get to see him go to the end of the game, but I, I don't recall him saying that about the people in his tribe the last time around. Yeah. So I, I feel like he's a – you know, if Russell Swan says, okay, it's uh, let's, us, let's go to the end, you know, I think that they have some room to maneuver around behind his back. Yeah, absolutely. I think Malcolm and Denise are, are probably going to be the power brokers in that tribe. They're definitely going to be the brains. And I think they'll probably end up controlling that tribe. And I think having Russell around uh, just makes it easier for them because you you want that person. You want the person who sucks up all the oxygen and draws all the attention away from you. And, you know, Russell is basically a ticking bomb. At any point, they could get rid of him. Yeah. Okay. Uh, So this is uh, – they're almost like a uh, a young uh, Yule and Becky. (laughs) Uh, maybe <laughs> Malcolm's better looking and taller. <laughs> oh, come on, Yule! That the un- by unofficial count, that's three times on this podcast you've said that Malcolm is a good-looking guy. Yeah, you know, I'm slightly infatuated with him. What can I say? <laughs> well, you know, if I wasn't married, hey, <laughs> who would you who would you rather uh, go for, uh, Malcolm or Alice uh, the maid or or <laughs> Blair? Oh, hands down! Come on, Alice, dude! Come on, that was like a childhood dream. <laughs> All right, what what about <laughs> what about this RC who uh I was very impressed with uh oh. she seems very savvy but I wonder if she's also uh if we could be writing on her survivor epithet uh too hard too fast. Yep, yep. I was thinking the same thing. I mean, she's she's clearly smart. She she knows the game. She's good at building alliances, but she's moving really fast really early and you know that that could bite her in the butt i mean it, it could work well for her but you know what, what you want to do is you want to you want to create these alliances and be at the center of them but you don't want to be seen as the one who's controlling or building the alliance uh, you know to the extent that you can and, and in her case it's pretty clear that she's calling the shots and if uh people get threatened by that she could be on her way home soon i mean right now she's she's fine for the most part but you know later on i think towards uh when, when you get farther down the line i think she could Definitely, definitely find herself on the chopping block. Yeah, I think it's going to be really interesting uh, to watch. You know, I almost feel like how uh, if I was going to make a comparison to her game, uh, if you go all the way back to Survivor Australia, mm-hmm. uh, in the very beginning of the game, Jerry was really sort of like uh, she had like all the young people like Mitchell and Amber and they had Colby with them and, and they were they were going to, you know, vote out the older people in the tribe right. and that you had uh, and Scoopin would sort of be like the Colby in this uh, scenario where I could see at some point the Tina, which would be Lisa. Yep. And the uh, artist, which was uh, Keith in this scenario, yep. uh, saying like, uh, hey, why don't you vote with us instead of voting with these, these young people? Who knows what they're going to do? Stick with us. Yep. And I could see RC being a victim of uh, that sort of flip-flop. Yeah, yeah. I think so too. I, I think you're right. I think she, her, her game is similar to Jerry. I think, I think RC is probably more strategic. I, I get the sense that she really has yeah. a pretty sharp brain that, inside that head. Um, but yeah, I, I think she's also setting herself up to get a, a reversal. I think what Scoopin's doing is really good. I mean, the more I think about it, like Scoopin has, he's clearly a, a leader, but he's, he's diminished himself that he's not an obvious target where people now see him as an advantage, uh, as an asset, as opposed to a threat. He's part of that core group, but at the same time, he's done something really smart. And I, I don't know if it's because he really is, you know, like Lisa Welchel is a hero from, you know, from past, but you know, one of the things that people don't do in Survivor, which which I try to do and that I, I think is a successful tactic is even if you're inside that core alliance, 
you still want to reach out individually to people who are outside their lives, people who are on the fringes, and just kind of on a human level build that relationship with them. Mm-hmm. And it does a number of things. One, if they end up going, they'll blame the other people on the alliance more than they'll blame you because you actually showed them some amount of humanity, right? And it also, it's also helpful in case that there is a reversal that you now have like a lifeline, right? So in this case, Scoopin is part of that core alliance, but he's also built this individual relationship with Welchel. And if things go south, he has an opportunity to form a different alliance with her. And even if they don't, if she ends up going home and she ends up being on the jury, she's not going to blame him. So he's playing a really smart game. I don't know if he's doing it purposely, but you know, that's what I did when I was on uh, Cook Islands, right? So I had the core alliance with uh, Becky and, and Jonathan and Candace. Ozzy wasn't on the outside, but I was the only one who would go up to Ozzy and start just talking with him, right? And and what I would try to do is try to position it so that, hey, you know, Ozzy, like, I'm not really on the core alliance here. I'm just going with the flow, and I know, like, you're even farther out. Hey, here's what I hear is going on, um, and, and I'm going to vote with them because I don't want to be seen as being on the outside or against them, and maybe you should too, right? And so once in a while, I'd, I'd feed him enough information when he was like, really grateful, right? Because he's thinking like, wow, like you're like the only guy who's like trying to look out for my back, uh, even though I might be the one actually helping to orchestrate right. what's are going to be. But it's always important to like, you know, reach outside of that core alliance and to build those relationships. And I, I don't see people doing that. I mean, Scoopin's doing it, but uh, it's something that people fail to do over and over again. Yeah. And there's two benefits. I mean, the one is obviously that, you know, these people are going to be on the jury and at some point you'd like them to uh, be fond of you. So they cast a vote for you to win the million dollars. And two, I mean, it's a great way to sort of keep your options open. You know, if whatever, if you don't like the looks of, you know, how this is shaping up with what you're doing, you always have the option to flip it around and work with some of these people who you have some sort of a relationship with. Yeah, 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 absolutely. All right, so let me ask one more Penner question, and then we have yeah. some questions for you from our listeners. Sure. Uh, all right, give us r- real quick, what is the key to Penner turning this around next week? I think Penner, you know, at this point, um, early in the game, he has to really be seen as an asset. And I don't think it's going to be that hard. I mean, you know, people coming back have an enormous advantage because they're seen as people who have experience and skills that can help them in the camp and especially in challenges. In his case, look, he's on a he's gonna be one of the big guys. There are only what three men on his tribe. And so I think it's gonna be hard to convince a lot of people to vote him off early because they're gonna see him as someone who can help them on the challenges. And, you know, given his experience, they're probably gonna reason like, look, we can get rid of him anytime. Plus, if we go to the final three with him, people probably aren't gonna vote for him. So let's keep him around in the meantime. So as long as he doesn't do anything really uh, silly that's going to paint himself in a bad light. I think he has a lot of things working for him. And so if he can start building enough kind of individual relationships so that enough people will be sticking up for him, I think they'll be able to make the argument to the broader group that like, look, we got to keep him around. We can keep him, we can get rid of him anytime we want. But in the meantime, like he's a big, strong guy and we need him to win the challenges. So I think if he can get past this early round and then he'll have an opportunity to have a little more maneuvering space and build up his own alliance. Um, so I think the next couple of things will be critical for him. But, you know, I, I kind of think he's going to stick around because while we get rid of somebody who's a strong physical and intellectual, you know, asset who can help the tribe. It wouldn't hurt if uh, Jeff Kent's knee gave out also. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, you know, that that could be a real problem for him. I, I don't know if people are going to find out. But I think for Kent, you know, he's he's uh, he's kind of reminds me of um, – I uh, forgot what what was that other example. But in his case, you know, he's playing a, a pretty 
mm, aggressive game. It could backfire on him. And there are lots of reasons I, I could see him like getting booted out, either because his knee goes bad or he overplays his hand. But the reality is that, you know, early on, it, if you're like a, a pretty large male, like people probably aren't going to vote you out, right? Unless you've really screwed up in the challenges because they, they want to win the challenges. And uh, so in this case, I don't, I don't see Penner going home. Uh, and I don't know if I see Kent going home early either. Yeah. And at some point, if this becomes a matchup of Kent versus Penner, Penner, the three-time Survivor vet versus Jeff Kent, who probably, even if he's watched Survivor here or there, has not spent too much time thinking about Survivor in his life. I really think that Penner has a huge advantage just as far as what do you need to do to get what you need on Survivor. Penner yeah. has a huge off-the-charts advantage versus yeah, Jeff my, Kent. My, my money is on Penner. You know, he, we've spent a lot of time talking about the game. And, you know, I, I think he's come in with a much more adaptable strategy than he did before. You know, I've talked to him very openly and frankly about, like, here, here are things that I think you did that didn't serve you well. And, you know, if you were to play again, you know, here are things that I think would, would help you better. So, you know, we'll see how it turns out. But uh, I'm, I'm pretty confident that Penner has the, uh, the experience and, and the ability to uh, – the self-awareness, right? I mean, the, the first time we played in Cook Islands, he didn't have that self-awareness where he had really no clue how his behaviors were being interpreted by other people. But this time around, I think, I think he's much more sensitive. So, um, so uh, hopefully I'll, I'll see him around. I mean, it would be pretty sad if he went home early. Yeah, and he's fascinating to watch on the show. He, it's never boring with Penner around, and uh, very excited to have him back for this season, and especially uh, with some coaching from Yule. Let's see uh, how far he can take it. All right, so let's get into some. I got a couple questions for you uh, before we uh, wrap it up from the listeners of Rob as a Podcast. These questions came to us on the uh, Rob Has a Podcast Facebook fan page, facebook.com slash Rob as a podcast. Anton Hirsch wants to know who is Yule's pick to win this season. Uh, we've heard you say a couple people that you like what they're doing. Do you, if you had to make a pick, who is it? Is it Penner? Well, <laughs> I got I got to go with my boy Penner. <laughs> oh my god, you're but all if, in. If it's not Penner, I would my money would be on uh, either Malcolm or Denise. I I think if Malcolm gets to the finals, I think he wins. If he doesn't get to the finals. Uh, you know, again, I think they're two powerful combo. If, if they, if both of them get out of the early tribal competition, they make the first merge. I think, I think they're going to go far. Lee Dunn wants to know if you were to ever go back, would you prefer an all-star season or one where you're the returner leader of a tribe of new people? Would you rather go back for, uh, say, uh, all winners hypothetically, or uh, okay, here's uh, Yule versus uh, Tom Westman and uh, Boston Rob? I would say, okay, so in terms of what I think would be better for me in, in trying to win the game again, I think I'd be one of a few because you know, I said this last time I was on your show. If you're a returning player, you have a huge advantage, right? I mean, it's like it's like learning to golf, right? The first time you golf, you might screw up. But if you get a few practice swings, you get better and better. And so you come in with a, a tremendous advantage over everyone else because – when you're playing for the first time, you get on the island and you go into like shell shock. You're like, what the hell am I doing? I'm like, oh my God, this is like way harder than I thought. And if you've played before, you know what to expect and you can get your head in the game much quicker. Um, but for me, I think in terms of just pure interest, I'd rather do an all-stars. Like I, I like to go head to head with, uh, you know, the best and the brightest. Okay. 
let's see. <laughs> Carl Hedlund wants to know, what is the Yule Kwan method for handling potentially outing a celebrity in your tribe that nobody else recognizes? Uh, what if you were in, let's say you were on a tribe, uh, say it was you, uh, a bunch of new people, and uh, Ann B. Davis uh, reincarnated. Uh, no, would you would you tell the other people in the tribe if you saw that this was a celebrity that you recognized? I wouldn't at first. Uh, I, I would hold that information until I saw an opportunity to use it, uh, either because I wanted to get that person out or I wanted to use it as a way to build, work my way into an alliance or to build an alliance. Or, you know, I'd also hold it in reserve in case I wanted to build a relationship with that celebrity, right? So I'm like, hey, I recognize you, but look, I won't tell anybody. And if I want to start an alliance with them. So I would just hold into that information until I saw a way that I could use it to my to my benefit. Okay. Uh, let's see. Uh, how about uh, – and, and just let me, let me just add on that. Oh, if, if I did want to out that person because I want to get them out, I think what I would do is i try to stage some sort of discussion in front of everyone – where either I or someone would ask that person, like, so what's your background? What did you do? Blah, blah. And they would basically clearly state that, you know, they did something that was not accurate, right? And then later on, I'd go back to the, the, the tribe and say, hey, you know, I know this person said, but it's a load of bullshit. Like this guy, I recognize this person. So, you know, there are different things you could do to try to maximize the benefit you derive from that information. Okay. Uh, so how about uh, Sam Robbins wants to know, uh, Yule played one of the best games, in my opinion. What skills did he use to make people do what he wanted without suspecting it was him necessarily calling the shots? Do you have a one, or, one or two quick ones yeah, you could drop yeah. on us? I think one of the most effective strategies for playing this game is to be the trusted advisor. So what you do is you, you want to position yourself as not the leader, but someone that people trust and who gives good advice, right? So typically what I try to do is I wouldn't tell people what to do because no one likes to be told what to do. But I would, I would go to them and say, like, in the, in, the, in the pretext of asking for advice, like, hey, like, you know, I just learned some information and, and I'm not sure what to do. And I, I want to get your advice because, you know, I, I respect how you think. Here's what I learned and blah, 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 you know, and what do you think? And they'll be like, oh, I'm not sure. What do you think? And then I'll be like, well, here are the different options that I see, right? So if I do option A, I think this will happen, da 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 da, and then option B, da 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 da. But what you do is you present the information in such a way that there's only one sort of logical conclusion to it, and then you let that person pick it, right? And so what that person, what what basically this does is one, it puts you in more of a not a leadership role, but almost kind of a subservient role to the other person, and they, they get flattered because you're coming to them with advice or for advice. At the same time. You know, they feel like they take ownership of the decision that's made. So they feel like they're the ones who are really driving things and they don't see you as being a threat. And this is something that works really well. You know, I did it over and over again and I've, I've told other people that they should try this. Um, but um, yeah, so typically what I do is, you know, I'd, I'd go to people asking them for advice, giving them the information that I learned, uh, framing the information in such a way that there's only one really logical conclusion and then that person would buy into it and then they'd be good to go. Oh, it's a, a real game inside the game. Uh, that's really great insight. That's, uh, you know, very uh, – I could not agree more with uh, what you're saying and I'm, uh, you cannot argue with the results. I, I probably should not be saying this because if I ever play again, 
Yeah. I'm blowing up my own game. Uh, you know what? Everybody who plays again is is blown up for a second time. Unless you were just somebody who is not really known for being a, a great player. I think ev- everybody who is a good player or a great player is screwed when they come back again. Unless they're playing against just total people who have never seen the show before. Which I, I think uh, we've seen that scenario play out where I think the the move if it's all all stars it's like all bets are off yeah. and it's if it's uh returning players against new people you just have to get rid of everybody that's seen the show before <laughs> I think that's the move uh Taylor says uh is having three immunity idols in the game pre-merge too many is it is this too many idols are we gonna get into a scenario where everybody has an idol I mean, I, I think the more idols you have, like the more just it introduces a lot of randomness into the game. Mm-hmm. And, you know, from a show perspective, like making it fun, I think I think it works, right? You're just a lot more blindsides, a lot more kind of crazy stuff happens. It, it does make it harder to play a really strategic game because there's just a lot of a lot more variability that you can't control for. So I, I can't say it's a good thing or a bad thing. Like if, if I were to play, I wouldn't want to have that many because it right. just makes it hard to figure out what's going on. But uh, but in terms of having a fun season, like why not? Like, yeah, ten idols. As a guy with a remote control and a podcast, uh, I say more idols the better. <laughs> but yeah, as as a person with a buff, I would not like so many idols. <laughs> um, so Ron Chan wants to know uh, who would do better on Survivor, Barack Obama or Mitt Romney? Now I think I know what your answer is going to be to the question, but so uh, and then I have a follow up oh, question. Hands down, I, I'd say Barack Obama. I mean, yeah. he's. Just seems more self-aware, has a better ability to to empathize and connect with people. Uh, Mitt Romney just, uh, you know, he's uh, – and again, I'm not trying to add any sort of political dimension to this. But sometimes he just seems kind of clueless in terms of the way people perceive him versus his intentions and how he wants to be perceived. Yeah. Obama has that problem sometimes too. But, you know, like he – Romney just seems a little bit disconnected. So yeah. I think he'd have trouble relating to a lot of people. And, you know, the other thing is, dude, like if anyone found out, like if, if he were recognized, like, hey, aren't you worth like a quarter of a billion dollars? Like, you know, <laughs> who's going to vote for him? Which would be more damning if somebody realized that uh, Barack Obama was the, the president or that somebody was <laughs> realized Mitt Romney was worth a lot of more money? Uh, I don't know, man. It'd be hard to vote against the president, I guess. I, I think so. Like, but um, that would be fun. Yeah, I would love, I would absolutely love to see a politician survivor like that would just be classic like yeah you know, i mean politics is basically survivor in the real world and i'd love to see how paul ryan does against like joe biden that'd be fun yeah it would be really career suicide you'd have to re- retire from politics first and uh-huh. then go on survivor but you never know uh, or look at rupert uh, he going, went about it the other way went survivor and then could be the governor of illinois of uh indiana is he is he running still? Is that, is that, is that <laughs> I believe so. I, I believe the campaign has not been suspended, uh, so oh. we'll see. Is uh, he got right. traction? <laughs> I, I don't know. I believe uh, he's still in the mix. We have to get an update as we're getting closer to election day. Uh, you know, and it, oh, sorry. Uh, do you have any advice for Rupert as a uh, as a candidate? Candidate Boneham? Oh, jeez, man. I mean, I would just say get rid of the tie dyes. <laughs> it's a movement. And maybe 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 shave. <laughs> <laughs> He's a man I mean, of the people. I, I think you know, like. Uh, so I'm not a fan of like lifetime politicians, but but I do think you need to have some political experience. I mean, because you know, Mr. Smith goes to Washington. I mean, really, it just doesn't happen. I mean, you. I mean, just for example, you see a lot of people came in on the Tea Party movement, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they're ideologically pure. They're they're very kind of like clear on what they want to do. 
But the reality is that if you want to get anything done in government, like you have to know how it works. And so if you just come in with completely no political experience, it's just like playing Survivor, right? Like the first time you come on the game, like you don't know what's going on. You're just trying to like figure out like, oh my God, how do I do the basic stuff? And I think politics is kind of like that too. Like you, you need to have some political experience to be effective. Yeah. Which is more likely to happen uh, in our lifetimes? Will Rupert win the governorship of Indiana or Rupert win Survivor? <laughs> Ooh, that's a toss-up. Which is more uh, likely? I, I guess I would say Rupert winning Survivor. I mean, I, okay. I cannot fathom that guy becoming governor. Although, you know, <laughs> stranger things have happened. You know, like uh, who who's running for uh, Senate in uh, Minnesota? Is that Linda McMahon? Oh, yeah. Or, yeah. I mean, I mean, and Jesse Ventura won. So maybe if he was running in Minnesota, his odds might not be that bad. But in uh, Indiana, I don't know. I, I don't see it happening. All right. One last question for you, Yule. Uh, Jacob Andrew Wilson wants to know, did Yule's ownage of Jonathan with the idol in Cook Islands make him so paranoid that he's screwing himself over this season by trying to find it? Is Penner Yuling around? Are you so <laughs> in Penner's head that you that you may inadvertently cost him this game? No, I don't. I don't think so. I, I think whatever psychological trauma or scars he and I suffered from Cook Islands is, is, is long over. Um, I think he's just, you know, he's he's doing the smart thing, which is you, you want to find the idol before anyone else does. But I think the, the the mistake that I see him doing is that he's not spending time bonding with the other people. And so he's not part of that core alliance that's being formed. And the other thing is that people see him doing it and that just puts a target on your back. Yeah. Well, Yul, thank you so much for coming on with us and being so generous uh, with your time. Uh, it is truly great to pick the brain of one of the all-time uh, Survivor bestest best players and uh thank you so much and uh we will be rooting penner on uh with you all season long cool all right thanks so much Rob. appreciate Do you it. have anything you want to you want to tell people to check out or twitter or anything like that uh no just uh go yeah. penner well oh with penner um no i mean the guy you know he's he's really a, a delightful fellow i mean he's just he's genuinely one of the I mean, the guy is just really transparent. Like, I mean, it's funny because on Cook Islands, people thought he was deceiving and, mis- you know, all that stuff. But he's, he's genuinely like a very warm-hearted, caring guy. And uh, I'd, I'd love to see him win. He wears his heart on his sleeve and that's what makes him good TV. He does. It's almost like people can't believe that he'd be that transparent. But but he is. I mean, when you see him crying, like that's that's real. Like he, he doesn't fake that stuff. And he wears a cool hat. And he wears a cool hat, yeah. And he should thank me for that hat because I almost lost the game because I was trying to get him back that hat. <laughs> okay. You know what's funny is that the, the beginning of this season was exactly taken from Cook Islands. I mean, it's the same thing. They're all on a big ship. They all yeah. had a few minutes to grab as many supplies as they could. There was even a, a moment where Penner like caught this chicken and he said something about the chicken. And I had this flashback to think to the time on Cook Islands where you know he stole my chicken. And I'm like, no. <laughs> Yeah, the first season uh, began the same way. I mean, it's a it's Survivor classic when they go back to uh, all right, every get off this boat. Yeah, oh, gotta hate that. It's and, it's miserable. And Penner says, uh, "What are you gonna do if I don't? <laughs> <laughs> What's gonna happen?" <laughs> really great. We could have had a, a fist fight between Jeff Probst and Penner on the first night, but the season is young. <laughs> all right, Yule, well, thank you so much, and I really appreciate talking to you uh, w- whenever you're on with us, and uh, all the best. Okay, thanks so much, Rob. Take care. Take care. All right, everybody, there you have it. That was Yul Kwan, the winner of Survivor Cook Islands. And, uh, oh, look look who just got back. Oh, my God, did I miss it? Yes, you missed it. Okay, oh, so we... T- man, I'm, we putting, I'm putting this fan on. It's so hot in here. Okay, here's uh, the... That's too high. Too high. 
Uh, all right, here is Nicole Sesternino back back from the store, and uh, all right, that, where'd you go? I went to the mall. All right, Nicole Nicole went to the mall. Oh, it's Victoria's Secret. She okay, <laughs> and slide in here so you can get cl- nice and close to the microphone. People want people want to hear from you. We talked about all of the strategy, all of the uh, important stuff with Yule, and now. It's time to talk about uh, all of the nonsense from the lighter side of Survivor. Yes, leave with, the nonsense up to me. With Nicole. And speaking of nonsense, uh, we, we've got a, a great chance for you guys, uh, you fantasy football players out there, to win $100, courtesy of our friends over at DraftStreet.com. Check it out. At uh, The contest is you have to play against me and all the listeners of Rob Has a Podcast and assemble the best fantasy football team for week three. And if you do this task... You will win 100 real dollars. Wow, I want to play. You, you can play because it's free. Nice. And I would let you. Oh. There you go. <laughs> I'm allowed. <laughs> You're allowed. You're allowed. That's right. So if you want to play this week against the listeners of Rob Has a Podcast, go to robhasawebsite.com slash free, F-R-E-E, roll, R-O-L-L. And that's from our friends at DraftStreet.com. And if you sign up, if you want to sign up for an account over at DraftStreet.com, they will match your uh, initial deposit bonus to play daily fantasy sports games up to 40%. There wow. you have it. All right, Nicole. So let's get into some of the, the uh, other stuff that we didn't talk about with Yule from Survivor Philippines. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, what was your take on Survivor Philippines? Are you, exci- are you excited for Survivor Philippines? I am excited. There's a lot of good characters. It's, it's definitely a pretty uh, location. Yes. Well, that is and good. And pretty people. Oh, well, that we like that, too. <laughs> yes. So uh, we have uh, so many things to talk about from, you know, we talked about all of the main player, the power players in the game. Right. But there's a lot of people who aren't power players who are going to be interesting to follow this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, Nicole, I was so mad last night. Why were you mad? Because every season I'm always telling people, oh, don't forget to set your DVR. Oh, Because, yes. you know, if you follow, break, if you DVR Breaking Bad, Next season, when Breaking Bad comes so back on, it's not like called Breaking Bad, the, the Walt, Walter White uh, at 52. <laughs> you know, it's just called Breaking Bad, and you have it every season. Right. Now, Survivor, you know, some cable operators, they have it down, but this, DirecTV, they can't get on the same page, and I, f- I forgot to set a season pass for Survivor last night, and look what happened. It wasn't recorded. It wasn't recorded. Yes. So, uh, I have a season pass now. Thank God. We're all, re- we're all ready to go. Uh, also, we have a season pass for the Jeff Probst talk show, and yes, a lot of people are wondering, hey, Rob, what's going on? What is going on? What is, that is a good question. Uh, <laughs> what is going on? I thought you were having an interview with Jeff Probst, and to my knowledge, we still are. We're just waiting? We're just waiting. Uh-huh. I asked, I asked, uh, I sent an email again this week. I was told, like, oh, okay, okay, we're, gonna, we're working on it. Okay. So we'll see. As long as they're working on it. We're working on it. So uh, it is, it's still in the works. Mm-hmm. Still working on Maybe it. Maybe we should just go to his show and interview him there. Maybe we should. Yeah, well, we can. Let's <laughs> yes. go do it. All right, so let's go and talk about, uh, Nicole, we did in our preview podcast earlier a couple of weeks ago about, we talked about that there could be, we saw some potential showmances. You saw some potential showmances. On the yellow Mike Scoopin tribe. Yes. And I was worried about a showmance between RC, not uh-huh, me, uh-huh, not me. The different RC and uh, Peter. Uh huh. But it, there could be a showmance in the works here with Abby Maria and uh, Peter. Yes. Now, what do you make of this? Um, I feel like Peter looks like he's twelve. 
He looks too young. He looks very young. He looks too young. For He's his... too young for a showman. Well, Abby Maria, uh, I mean, she is uh, not a spring chicken. Uh, is this a, uh, a cougar relationship? This could be a cougar. Have we ever had a cougar relationship on Survivor? No, but we are definitely due for one. Yeah, I feel like um, we. I feel like we've had the cougar esque relationship on the Big Brother. Uh, if you go all the way back to Big Brother Four, I believe the. Uh, uh, I, I could be off on this. I yeah, well, who are you Dana going? and Justin, aka Mantral, uh, I believe <laughs> oh, that, that was, was a coo- that was a cougar. Uh, How old was she? I, I believe she was like in her thirties, and I thought Justin was like uh, in his twenties. Uh-huh. I mean, this is a, lo- a long time ago that I'm yes. trying to remember stuff. But I don't that- think we've ever had the survivor cougar relationship mm-hmm. with the uh, Brazilian booty. Uh, Abby Maria. What do they call that tape? Brazilian. The Brazilian butt lift. Brazilian butt yes, lift. Yes. Uh, on... That guy is so weird. <laughs> and he's like, "Hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna fix it, your butt." Is <laughs> he uh, half Italian? <laughs> yeah, it's sort of like that. Sort of like that. Um, so, uh, but what was your take on RC? I said I'm, I'm worried about her too hard, too fast. We talked about her a lot on the preview podcast. She's a giggle monster. A giggle monster. Yes. What is a giggle monster? Where she's always like. <laughs> She's giggly. Yeah, she's very giggly. Like someone's tickling her. She's like being attacked by the tickle monster all the time. All the time? <laughs> yeah, she's like every time she says something, she has to giggle. Yeah, maybe she's thinking of something funny. Maybe. maybe. She, I maybe, think she's just being tickled. I don't think she's giggling right now. Why isn't she giggling right now? Maybe because they're talking crap. <laughs> yeah. Well, not really talking crap. We're yeah. just making an observation. Okay, well, what did you think about her after one night? Very, ag- very aggressive, taking a leadership position there in the uh, scooping up, scooping. Mm-hmm. Not a fan of Blair. But what do you think about the making the four man alliance on day one? Well, it's not a bad plan. Yeah, it's good to have it. But you don't know these people. You don't know. Th- you don't know these people. But I mean, it's better to have it than to not have it. I guess so. I don't know if it's going to last. I think it's just. Uh, I think it's too fast. Too fast. Yeah, yeah I, I agree. Too fast. I mean, I much more like what Malcolm and Denise did, where it's like, okay, me and you, let's let's stick let's, together. And let's scope out what's going on. Let's stick together, and then let's find ourselves when the when it comes to the vote, rather than make a hard. Four person deal because Scoopin's already looking over to, to Lisa, trying to give her tips on how to be liked. Like he's trying to pull Lisa into a whole nother alliance. All right, well, let's talk a little bit still in that tribe yeah. about Lisa. Uh, what was your take on Lisa Welchel uh, after one night of the show? She's such a nice person. She's a very nice. <laughs> she's a very nice person. She was in the news today. Yes. Did you well, see? let's talk about this. Okay, in the news, uh, Lisa Welchel. And uh, in the news, not for happy reasons, because according to uh, People.com, Lisa Welchel is... Divorce. (laughs) Divorce alarm. Yeah, Uh, she's a divorcee. Divorce bells are ringing. Survivor is bad for marriages. This we've established that it doesn't matter who it is. Survivor is not good for marriage. Mm -hmm. But, you know, better, better this than to say... Uh, you know, then to be married. But she was divorced. Her divorce was final prior to her departure. Now, does this mean that Lisa Welchel is available for showmance? Available. Available. (laughs) Single and ready to mingle. Oh, yeah. Here she is. Mm -hmm. Okay, uh, according to People.com, as she left her Texas home to compete on Survivor Philippines, Lisa Welchel was hiding a secret that only her close friends knew. Her twenty-four-year-old, uh, her tw- oh, no, not her twenty-four-year-old <laughs> marriage. Uh, her twenty-four, well, her marriage was twenty-four years old. Get it old. together. Okay. Oh my God. So uh, yeah, her marriage was twenty-four. Uh, she was married years for twenty-four old. years. Right. And she lost all her monies in the '80s crash. Yeah. 
Oh my god. This is really a sad story for me. It's a sad story. Yeah. I don't like the facts of life. I mean, this is I mean, all these sitcom stars of today need to take note and be careful with their investments. They're all ballers uh, now. Yeah, and and or you'll end up on Survivor one day. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> this is very sad, but we are we like Lisa Welchel. We do. We like her, and we're, we are hoping for her to go far. Yes, and Survivor helps her get through her divorce. I think I see big things for Lisa Welchel after this. Oh, definitely. I see Celebrity Apprentice mm. in the future. Ooh, yes. Yes. Or Celebrity Get Me Out of Here. So I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here? <laughs> yes. No, in all seriousness, I think she will. I think she, I could see her uh, making a move to a, uh, doing, being something. I think she's too nice to do Celebrity Apprentice. Maybe too nice to be, yeah. maybe a hot in Cleveland, uh, appearance. Ooh, maybe. There you go. Mm-hmm. Could be, so I think there could be things, and now she's single, out of this marriage. Yeah. Who can you we know? hook her up with? Oh, should we have a Lisa Welchel dating it? Well, we need to get her with, you know, she needs somebody with strong values. Uh-huh. You know, we can't be setting her up with, like, primetime 99. Yes. Alex Stein. What about Coach? He has strong values. He loves God. Coach and Lisa Welchel. That could be very <laughs> that could be very interesting. He likes to pray. Yeah. I, I think we've learned. I think that could be a good match. Uh-huh. I think you might be onto it. He yeah. likes to pray. Yeah. Uh does he like the facts of life? He's an actor. He's an actor, He's yes. an actor. But he likes dirty scenes. I don't think Oh uh, well he likes to make out <laughs> yes. scenes. But I'm sure Blair has done some some making out scenes. I don't think she has. I think she probably not has. like Coach. Not like Coach. <laughs> not like Coach. So okay, we'll see if maybe we can set up Lisa Welchel. See if she goes far into the game. Yes, we'll be the matchmakers. Okay. Or maybe she'll go on the Finchler. Oh, maybe the Finchler. <laughs> this could be another Does uh, Cougarific. Like God? I don't think he dislikes God. Okay, well, I just have to make sure that, that he does. All right, well, we will have a, a, Fincher, a Fincher podcast sooner than later because we want to get his take on Russell Swan. But the way Russell Swan is going, we might have to do it next week. Yeah. <laughs> we might have to. Poor Russell. All right, so... All right, uh, we're jumping ahead. We are, we are jumping around a little bit. Another topic that we talked about quite a bit on our uh, preview show was we had a bet mm-hmm. of the first person off. Now, we were both wrong with the first person off. Right. Um, but you did not care for Dawson. Not that I didn't care for her. I just thought that her personality wouldn't mesh well with her tribe. And I did not think Katie would go far into the game. Katie, pretty invisible. Uh-huh. Uh, that was... Uh, I don't even remember which one's Katie. She was another, the other pageant, Patty, not... Oh, she's the one with the brown hair. Yes. Yes. Uh, so Tiffany I did, Amber Thiessen. Yes. That's how you have to refer to her. <laughs> I, that's how I have to call her for the yes. rest of the season? I, I did not think she would uh, do well... Uh, she was rather invisible through night one. She did have one confessional. She said she was anti-Penner. Yes. She didn't like that he was a returning player. Yes. They're finally going against the returning players. The backlash has begun. Yes. Ian is winning uh, Big Brother, and now people are trying to vote returning players out. Yep. What is up with that? It's a, re- uh, it's a revolt. <laughs> it's a, the revolution. <laughs> the resistance. Yes. No. We have... Uh, new players, stop it! Leave us alone! <laughs> don't be, uh, don't be racist against returning players. We're people too, okay? That's racist. We're, yeah, we're, we're people too. <laughs> we have rights. Uh, you're not on the we show. We have just as much of a right to be here as you do. You're not on the show. <laughs> you're not returning. <laughs> just practicing. Oh, okay. All right, and I uh, thought Dawson would be okay. You thought Dawson would be in trouble. I thought she'd be in trouble. I thought Katie would be in trouble. But Dawson, pretty smart, I, got, I must say. So Dawson says she dated a guy who watched a lot of sports, mm-hmm. and uh, she knows that this is Jeff Kent. Okay, you can date a guy and who who 
watched a lot of sports and still not know anything. But she she knew. She knew. Yeah. So I was impressed. Uh, now is because of Dawson is Jeff Kent up the creek. <laughs> Dawson's Creek? <laughs> yes, thank you. Thank you for putting that together. Okay, so uh, were you more impressed with Dawson after seeing her in action? I was. That she recognizes that Jeff she, Kent? Yes. She, what she should do. Yeah, she hasn't spilled the beans yet. It's marinating in her brain. Mm-hmm. I asked uh, Yule this question, uh-huh. or it was asked to him by our listeners. What is the proper etiquette if you are Mike Scoopin and you recognize uh, Lisa Welchel, or if you're Dawson and you recognize Jeff Kent? What is the right move? Now, if you were Nicole Sesternino, uh-huh. when you see a famous person, you say, oh, my God, it's blank. <laughs> and, you, and you yell it out. Most of the time. Uh, and then they look at me and walk away. Or the other, the other move you do is, oh, I didn't think you would be here. <laughs> <laughs> both, both are things that you would do. Yes. Uh, so what, what is the right etiquette there? If, you recognize, if you're on a reality show and you recognize a famous person... Uh-huh. And and you say, uh, oh my God, is that uh is that Jaleel White? Uh then what what's the right move? I don't I don't know. I think I think Dawson has the right idea. She hasn't said anything. She's gonna find the right time to spill the beans to either someone she trusts or to or to him. Or maybe this is something that she can, you know, form an alliance with him with. Is it like a sort of the sort of thing that like you tell kids like okay, you go find someone that you trust tell somebody <laughs> tell somebody that you know that you trust what happened yes that's that's the same uh, guideline the same thing same thing um, I would do like uh, I would get them in private and be like oh my god can I have your autograph you're stupid. Uh, is that the scooping though is that that's, you're you're totally scooping it scooping it <laughs> yes did you know Mike Scooping was such a big facts of life fan I had a suspicion <laughs> <laughs> yeah all right. Maybe, uh, what other shows did he like? We'll have to ask Mike, Mike Scoopin' Facts of Life Trivia yes. on I Twitter. Think what I would do is I would write Jeff Kent a note. Are you Jeff Kent circle, yes or no? Well, do you, do you have paper? I would, find, I would find something. Now, what do you think of Jeff Kent's injury, Nicole? Now, let me ask you to put your actual medical information to use here. Uh-huh. Do, do you think that Jeff Kent could have sustained a uh, an MCL sprint? Uh, Spraying? I thought he said he think, tore his MCL. I think he would be in a lot more pain. You don't think he'd be able to compete? He wouldn't be able to walk. With a torn MCL. Yeah. So what do you think? Can you diagnose him with... The actual diagnosis? Yes. Crybabyitis. Oh, no! <laughs> Crybabyitis for Jeff Kent. Yes. Is, that a, is there anything you could do for that? It's an epidemic. It's an epidemic. Yes. Okay. Um, and, uh, uh, speaking of injuries, scooping, oh my god, what a, so injury prone. So injury prone. Well, he gets like the dodo music. <laughs> what would you recommend to Mike Scoopin to steer clear of injuries? I think he just needs to be strapped down. Yeah. Maybe they need, to, they, what they need to do in the camp when Mike Scoopin is there is almost like, uh, if you have a toddler uh-huh. and you need to like put like a buff on like all the sharp edges of everything <laughs> And like take away a playpen. take away his knife. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Mike Scoopin. She just needs to confine him to one area. You know, you can't let him touch anything dangerous. He's gonna cut off an extremity. Well, yeah, I was said. I told Yule I was very nervous with that coconut where he had the machete. He was gonna cut an arm off. So what did he? He cut his head. He cut his foot. He cut his <laughs> finger twice. We're three days in. <laughs> it's day three. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so we'll we'll see. Uh, and then, Nicole, what was your take on Zane, who was uh, gone before we really got to know him? 
I think it's a real shame that he's gone. I think that we could have had a lot of comedic material to work with. We with could Shane. have had a lot of comedic... Zane. Zane. Yeah, Zane A different Zane. show, sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's Shane is a different guy. Yes. Uh, so he's he is gone uh, all too soon. Yes. Yes. Now, uh, he. I spoke with him this morning about his... Beef with Johnny Fairplay. Yes. About I don't know how anybody autograph gate. Mm-hmm. And what happened was that Johnny Fairplay claims that he met Zane and Zane asked him for an autograph and Johnny Fairplay told him twenty dollars. And that's when Zane Which I've heard him say. And then Zane said uh got upset with him. Mm-hmm. Zane claims he was at the race and taste. And I I guess it's, uh, I don't know, it's something with cars and And ice cream. Yeah. (laughs) So uh, he was at the race and taste, and then Johnny Fairplay came in with his entourage and said, Everybody here wants my autograph. (laughs) (laughs) So. The tr- uh, I don't know. It's a bit of Rashomon. We uh, don't. We don't know exactly. What is the truth? What is what is the truth? Mm-hmm. So uh, we'll well, see. I can see Johnny Fairplay, and I have heard him say twenty dollars <laughs> for an autograph. But have you seen him walk in with his entourage? And I've say, seen that. Everybody too. here wants my autograph. I have seen that too, and so have you. <laughs> Has maybe did he walk in and say, "Everybody here wants my autograph," and it's twenty dollars a person? <laughs> That's probably the real story. Yeah. So that's good. And maybe, uh, some, you know, who else might want to try that? Who? Lisa Welchel. Y- yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's a great, great way to go make Make a, her money back. If Mike Scoopin is there, yeah, get, you get his $20 right off the bat. I think Mike Scoopin would pay more than $20. He'd pay yeah, 30 or 40 at least. Yeah. Uh, but I don't trust Mike Scoopin with the pen. Maybe. Yeah. He'll poke himself in the eye. <laughs> or get a paper cut. Yeah. <laughs> Something terrible will happen. All right. So uh, let's let's wrap up. This uh, this show, we want to try something new here this season. We want to get some feedback from you guys here as we go along. Of course, we have the comments. Of course, we have the Twitter. But, uh, you know, Jeff Probst has inspired us. We're going to try out using Tout this season. Uh, so go ahead, and we are going to post a uh, Tout video, and you can respond with your 15-second video back to us on Tout. Go to robhasawebsite.com slash tout and you can go to the page and uh send us a 15 second message back and then we'll play uh some of the best ones sometime next week oh i can't wait to toot tout tout (laughs) okay nicole so uh let's go ahead and uh wrap this up is there anything else uh, you're looking forward to from this season i'm just looking forward to a whole bunch of podcasts it will be a lot of fun we will be doing our survivor podcast a little different we're going to do a live show on wednesday nights uh 15 minutes after the show ends on the East Coast, so that's 9.15 Eastern uh, on Wednesday nights, and uh, we have some fun surprises uh, planned for that. And then we'll be doing our regular interview podcast on the Thursday night show, so we'll be or Thursday afternoon show. So we'll be doing a little more of the episode recap on Wednesday and a little more with the interview on Thursday. Yes. And then, of course, we'll have the uh, person who gets booted off the show Every Thursday, and then on Tuesday mornings on Rob as a Web Show, we'll be previewing the upcoming Survivor episodes and uh, talking with some of our Survivor reporters <laughs> to sort of uh, preview what is coming next for each of the tribes. So yes. it will be a lot of fun. Uh, so uh, that's going to about do it. I want everybody to have a great, uh, great weekend. We are off to the uh, Big Brother party. Tonight, the Big Brother finale party. I spoke with all three of the Big Brother finalists this afternoon, so look for that on Friday on RobHasAWebsite.com. So that is it for the weekend. We will be back with you for Rob Has a Web Show on Tuesday morning or afternoon at 12 p.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. 
And if you want to know more about how you can help to support Rob Has a Podcast over this upcoming season, go to robhasawebsite.com slash support. Find out uh, about uh, what goes on with our Amazon and uh, how you can make a contribution to Rob Has a Website, and we'll send you a cool coffee mug uh, if you donate $50 or more to the cause. So thank you very much, Nicole. And uh, you got anything else for us? Got nothing for you. All right, take care, everybody. Have a great weekend. Bye.